Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. It's Monday, September 26th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The midterm elections are six weeks away, and new polls show that voters are divided over who should control Congress. For now, Republicans hold a firm lead on the economy, crime, and inflation. Democrats hold leads on the issues of abortion and climate change. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill, joins us for how voters are feeling and the Republican governor that everyone wants stumping for them. Next, inflation continues to hammer away at the country, and another stressor coming to older Americans and those with aging parents, the rising cost of senior living homes. Long-term care providers have had to deal with higher costs of food, utilities, insurance, wages, and managing COVID-19, and those costs are being passed on to seniors and their families catching them off guard. Claire Ansbury, Turning Points columnist at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for what to know. Finally, another factor that could be keeping the housing supply limited for some time to come is that homeowners are reluctant to sell their homes now that mortgage rates are so high. To sell your house and then buy into another loan with a rate nearly double what they have been locked into doesn't make sense. Instead, many are choosing to list their homes for rent. Nicole Friedman, U.S. housing reporter at The Wall Street Journal, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. In 46 days, America's going to choose. If Republicans win control of the Congress, abortion will be banned. And by the way, it will be initially banned, but if they win Congress, I will veto it. Joining us now is Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thank you for having me. Well, we're about six weeks away from the midterm elections. Uh, Everybody's getting fired up for these things. And we're getting some new poll numbers. This is coming from a Washington Post ABC News poll. Just talking about what's going on, it seems like overall Republicans have a firm lead when it comes to the economy, inflation, and crime. Democrats, on the other hand, have an an advantage when it comes to the issues of abortion and climate change. But everything is really, really tight right now. Everything's really tight, and I think it's going to, like you said, Oscar, really come down to those issues, and I think it's going to depend on, you know, what voters choose to prioritize in terms of those issues. We know that historically the economy has been a huge indicator, and I think Republicans are really banking on that, especially when it comes to inflation and the fact that inflation does not seem to be really drastically dropping. But at the same time, Democrats are really looking to hone in on the issue of abortion in particular over the primary season and some of the special election season 
We saw that a number of Democratic candidates, such as a House candidate in New York's 19th Congressional District, for example, and then, of course, with the ballot initiative in Kansas, we saw that the pro-choice contingent of the Democratic Party and pro-choice activists were very much able to rally up that base. So Democrats got some hope from that. However, when it's going up directly against the issue of the economy and voters essentially are you know, trying to choose between which issue to focus on, that's going to be difficult for them because we know that Republicans, for example, are really zeroing in on inflation, but most Democrats are also zeroing in on abortion. Uh, President Biden still not sitting very well, and that makes it difficult, too, when uh, you know it comes to supporting candidates as well. It does make it difficult, especially when you have a lot of these Republicans tying these Democratic candidates and Democratic incumbents to Joe Biden. So it's going to be difficult. I think you see Democrats really practicing different strategies depending on their state or uh, House district, for example. Um, you know, if it's more you know conservative or moderate, they might run away from Biden. If it's more liberal, Biden may not matter as much to begin with. However, yes, you're absolutely right. It makes it difficult because we know that, you know, first term president, their first midterm year is usually going to be a wash for their party. And on top of that, you also have Biden with his low approval ratings. We've got to mention President Trump in some of these polls. We see a 52 percent majority say that former President Trump should be charged with crimes for his handling of classified documents. Look, in terms of what kind of role President Trump plays, you know, he's obviously trying to insert himself into a num- number of these races, holding rallies in states like Michigan, Ohio and Pennsylvania. But you see Democrats doing sort of what Republicans are doing and tying candidates to Biden. They're trying to tie them to uh, Republican candidates to President Trump, very much trying to label them as MAGA extremists and that sort of a thing. So, you know, in terms of whether it works, we'll have to see. But I think the disadvantage advantage Democrats have is that Biden, um, you know, is the sitting president. President Trump is not the president. However, we do know that President Trump is, you know, very much flirting with the presidential bid. So we'll see how that goes. Here's an interesting one that uh, that you wrote up for The Hill, actually. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. Now, when we're talking about governors and, you know, people stumping for others, you know, obviously you get the, you know, president, you want former President Trump out there stumping for you. Ron DeSantis comes to mind when you want uh, some high profile Republicans. But Glenn Youngkin is actually going out there stumping for a lot of people. He's hitting the trail in Arizona, in Georgia. Uh, He's already been to Maine, Nevada, Michigan and Kansas. When he was running against Terry McAuliffe, his main issue was parental rights and education. But increasingly, more and more people want him out there on the trail with them right now. They do. And what's interesting with the parental rights and education aspect is, you know, those of us in the media, including myself, very much focused on that because it was very much a galvanizing point for much of the conservative base in Virginia. That being said, though, Glenn Youngkin was consistently campaigning on slashing the grocery tax, creating some sort of a gas tax holiday. So, you know, before inflation really got to how bad it is right now, you know, a year before you saw Glenn Youngkin already talking about cutting those costs when it seemed like the economy, there was a potential for it to take a downturn at some point. So I think, you know, in many ways, he sort of foreshadowed the Republican messaging on the economy. Um, So I think he'll continue to do that. campaigning in these races you know with the cultural issues and you know education he can do that a little bit on the campaign trail the issue is um those are more state and local issues um and even though he's a state official he's 
trying to boost a number of federal candidates and some actually he's trying to boost some uh, state candidates, uh, gubernatorial candidates, for example. So we could very well talk about that. But I think you're also going to hear an economic message from him. Finally, just a quick peek ahead to this week on Wednesday, we should be seeing the final uh, round of uh, hearings on the gen- from the January 6th committee. Uh, Representative Bernie Thompson said that uh, this should be the last one before they release their final report by the end of the year. Yeah, it's going to be the final one. And we know that um, there's been some big developments. Obviously, Ginny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, has agreed to testify or do an interview. We know that that probably won't be in front of the cameras, but it's going to be interesting to see if anything is gathered from that and shared publicly. And of course, this is the first January 6th hearing we've heard since um, or we've had since the raid on Mar-a-Lago last month. So I'm curious to see how that plays into this. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. They're dealing with higher costs themselves. And so a lot of them feel compelled to try to absorb those costs. Or if they can't move a parent from a place, maybe try to find a cheaper room within that place. Joining us now is Claire Ansbury. Turning Points columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Claire. Glad to be here. Everybody's dealing with high inflation costs right now. If, uh, groceries are more expensive. Everything is really more expensive right now. But one of these uh, other stresses for people that are aging themselves or have aging parents is the rising cost of senior living. So we're looking at long-term care providers. We're looking at assisted living, nursing homes, independent living facilities. Their costs have surged this year, uh, this past year as well. Food, utilities, insurance, uh, wages for the staff. Everything's going up and they're passing on those costs to the tenants and then the families that help their parents as well. So Claire, tell us a little bit more about how this is catching a lot of people off guard. Well, I think, as you said, everybody's being hit by inflation, but other people, older adults are on fixed income. And even with the the cost of living increase with Social Security, they really are on fixed incomes. So when inflation is hitting other people, we can buy cheaper ice cream or not go out to eat, not drive our car as much or not drive the big car. Whereas older adults, they really don't have a lot of options and neither do their family members the spaces are limited. And also, they don't want to move a parent from a place. I mean, if they have Alzheimer's or they're frail, just think of uprooting somebody who's in their 90s. You don't want to do that. So they're really kind of under a barrel and they're dealing with higher costs themselves. And so a lot of them feel compelled to try to absorb those costs. Or if they can't move a parent from a place, maybe try to find a cheaper room within that place. One of the people that you followed uh, for this story, his name is Dan Gallo and his mother. Tell us a little bit about that because their prices were going up. They, they just sent them a letter saying, well, we're going to do a $25 daily fee, inflation-related fee going up. So, I mean, that's $750 a month right away. You know, his mom has been there for three years. He doesn't have any qualms with the caregiving. He says the people are wonderful. And the rates, like the first year, the increase was maybe like 5%. So you budget for that. But this past year for 2022, they went up 10.2%. So he really he, he didn't like that increase, but he swallowed it thinking, you know, direct care workers are not paid a lot and they really need better wages. So he kind of didn't like it, but he went ahead with it. But I think this sort of surprise fee 
that, you know, we got a letter in late August about the fee being imposed in September really was just like, wow, that's a lot. And, to you know, his mom, she has a pension along with her husband's and she has Social Security. Her, she has some savings, but they're dwindling. She was smart enough to 30 years ago buy long term care insurance, but that ran out. So it really is every added thing is you know, yeah. just puts more pressure. And then and then on the really high end of things, you had another example, Mara McGinn and her family. They spent <laughs> close to $19,000 in one month this past right. summer on their mother's care. And I didn't know these things can get this high, right? I, I, I thankfully don't have family in one of these facilities right now. But man, that is a, a weird, I mean, I, you would never think it'd be that high. And neither did they. You know, the issue for them was that the bulk of that cost was having to hire, and this was an unexpected cost, they had to hire a private caregiver to come in and sit with their mom. It wasn't an employee of the assisted living because their staff is, they have their staff doing their regular rounds, but they deemed that their mom was a fall risk and they couldn't for that liability. So they required the family to hire a private caregiver. So that's not a cost that they have every month, but it was also one that they never expected. And it was on top of $8,500 in just her monthly regular care. Just the cost to get in, the the entrance fee, those prices have also been boosted by as much as 15% in some cases. And one of the women who I was speaking with, she has advisors that work with families to help them find the best place and a place Mm. that's suitable and affordable. And she said in the past, community providers would reduce or eliminate, negotiate a little bit on that one-time move-in fee. But she says now there's really no flexibility. So if a fee is 5000 or up to 10000 that's another upfront cost or another added cost that, you know, I think catches people off guard. Some places have a monthly fee that are pretty much all-inclusive. Others have a monthly fee, and then other services are kind of a la carte. Claire Ansbury, Turning Points columnist at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent 
telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And so comparing my monthly payments today to what my monthly payment would be if I bought that new house at a higher price and a higher mortgage rate, it's just too big of a difference to swallow. Joining us now is Nicole Friedman, U.S. housing reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about what's going on right now in the housing market. We had years of very low mortgage rates. We're starting to see them tick up. Uh, We see the Fed raising rates, so that could make them tick up even more. But right now what we're seeing is something that could really keep the housing supply limited for a much longer time as people that have very low mortgage rates right now are just reluctant to put their houses on the market. You know, they don't want to sell their house, have to buy a new house at a higher interest rate. So that's something that could keep the supply very limited for uh, some time. So, Nicole, what are we seeing here? So in 2020, 2021, and the beginning of this year, mortgage rates really fell to the lowest they've ever been. And so millions of homeowners, you know, either bought homes at those low rates or they refinanced at the very low rates. And so the latest data we have, which is from a company called Black Knight, shows that almost 90% of mortgages out there have an interest rate below 5% and more than two thirds of mortgages have a rate below 4%. So right now, interest rates for mortgages are above 6%. And so for somebody who has a rate at say 3, even 2.5%, the idea of selling their home and moving into a new home when they would have to take out a new mortgage at 6%, maybe even higher, that's a lot of (laughs) additional money to be spending on interest. And so it's really making a lot of current homeowners think twice about, do I really want to sell my house? Maybe I'll just stay put. You spoke to a number of people who maybe their um, the price of their home, the the value of their home has increased and uh, they can sell it, make a profit. But then again, when you're going to get into a new home now and you have to borrow, uh, you're going to lose all those profits just in the interest payments. Right, exactly. And a lot of people are looking around saying, what are we going to do? You know, people maybe have a home that's not the right fit for them anymore. They had an additional kid or their kids moved out and they need more space or less space. And people, you know, in the normal course of things would want to move, would want a home that better fits them. But they're saying, not only am I going to have to pay more for a new home because home prices have increased, but also I'm going to pay paying a much higher mortgage rate. And so comparing my monthly payments today to what my monthly payment would be if I bought that new house at a higher price and a higher mortgage rate, it's just too big of a difference to swallow. Yeah, there's a few surveys going around too. So, uh, you know, homeowners are just saying they feel locked into their current homes because of rising rates. Other people are still saving for homes. You know, they, they want to buy something, but they're also just kind of in this wait and see mode. They want to get those interest rates back to a lower level so that they can kind of jump into the market again. Right, exactly. And so right now, you know, the housing market is kind of just frozen. 
because the mortgage rates have climbed so quickly that there's just a lot of uncertainty about where it's going. So buyers are saying, maybe it's not the right time. You know, maybe if I wait, home prices will fall. Maybe mortgage rates will fall. Like, maybe I'll just wait this out and see. And then sellers, on the other hand, you know, they're in this conundrum where they have this really good rate. They don't necessarily want to give it up. So they're also kind of, well, maybe we'll just wait and see. And so in terms of figuring out where the housing market is going to go, you know, you have these different forces that demand has fallen because of the higher mortgage rates. There's fewer buyers out there. But if homeowners, you know, continue to not want to sell and they decide to stay put, that's going to keep the supply lower than normal, too. And so that could kind of provide a floor to the housing market in terms of preventing prices from falling or falling very far because the inventory would just be lower than usual. The flip side to this, and this is coming from another article you wrote for the journal as well, is that the rental market. So a lot of these home sellers are kind of discouraged about what's going on, the rising interest rates, the slowing housing market. And they're saying, well, maybe I can get into the home rental market. So a lot of them are not putting their uh, house on the market to sell, they're uh, willing to lease them out now. And in some cases, because the rents are rising so high right now, they're really able to offset those costs. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the advantages of having these really low mortgage rates that homeowners have locked in is that often they can rent their house out right now with the very strong rental market for more than their own cost because their mortgage costs might be pretty low. And so, yes, we are definitely seeing an increase in homeowners who want to move and then instead of selling their former home, they're keeping it and renting it out as a rental property instead. And so either of these decisions, you know, deciding to move and rent out your former home or deciding not to move and just stay put, both of those just contribute to fewer houses for sale, fewer homes being listed on the market. Yeah. And uh, you had some numbers in the article in Southern California, 10% of home sellers switched their listings from for sale to for rent due to the higher mortgage rates. 9% of home sellers in Texas did so. But There are a lot of risks associated with renting, you know, if you're going to be the landlord of a place and, uh, you know, maybe you're just trying to sell the house, right? And you say, okay, well, I'll be a landlord. I'll rent it out. There's, there are risks there that people should be aware of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, being a landlord can be a lot of work. There can be unexpected repairs. There can be, you know, issues with tenants, disputes. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, all of these people that maybe got into becoming landlords in the past couple of years because the rental market has been very strong. We'll see how many of them stick it out versus (laughs) saying, you know, I didn't want to sell. So I decided to rent my house out for a year, but it was too much hassle, too much work. I'm just going to sell after all. Nicole Friedman, U.S. housing reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. 
Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.